0: Welcome to the Gaming Street Podcast, your guide to the business of video games. I'm Steven Wong
1: and I'm Olivia da Silva.
0: This week we'll be talking about how Fortnite ended the world. But first, our top story.
1: Activision Blizzard has been a very hot topic in the gaming space over the last week, but for all the wrong reasons. After winning the Asia Pacific Hearthstone Grand Masters tournament, pro player Ing Blitzchung Wai Chung broadcasted his support to protesters in Hong Kong during a post-game interview.
0: While the video of the interview was quickly removed, the ramifications came in hot and heavy. A day later, Blizzard announced that Blitzchung would be suspended from competitive Hearthstone for a year and receive none of the $10,000 he won from the Grand Masters. On top of that, the two casters on the other side of the interview were immediately fired.
1: This was responded to with outrage from the online gaming community. Blizzard later released a statement explaining their side of what happened, explicitly saying that, quote, they reacted too quickly, end quote, and will award the prize money to Blitzchung, but will still suspend him and the streamcasters for a period of six months. To justify their actions against the streamcasters, who were clearly caught by surprise, Blizzard stated, quote, their purpose is to keep the event focused on the tournament, and that didn't happen here.
0: I don't think there was a good move for Activision Blizzard here, but out of all the possible moves, that one may have been the most wrong one because it was it was far too punitive for what, what happened for all eight seconds of video. They didn't get a handle of what happened. They didn't fully understand what was going on or the ramifications of their actions. They just brought the band hammer down and that just lit a fire. Around the internet,
1: yeah, and that's the thing. it's it's understandable as to why Activision Blizzard would need to do something in response to this, you know being a, a giant corporation with ties to China and all sorts of places, you know, you need to kind of have some sort of like, no, we're not going to tolerate this kind of thing. but in the same respect, I don't fully understand why the streamcasters had to get lumped into it you know the fact is as you said for all of the eight seconds that blitz chung you know blurted out what he did during the post game interview the streamcasters just kind of hid behind their computers and clearly just did not even want to be a part of this nor did they know that this was about to happen so i don't fully understand why they needed to get fired let alone you know the six month suspension fine i guess if they need to put something out there but How are they supposed to keep someone in line when there's clearly no stream delay? There's no anything where they they couldn't stop someone from just blurting these things out. So what are they supposed to do?
0: And that's kind of the catch-22 because the main appeal for live streaming is that anything can happen. And sometimes anything does happen, you know, so that applies to fantastic plays during the competition. It also applies to interview blurt outs uh, when they say something that was particularly funny or surprising. The casters need to be trained and made aware of this. Blizzard's rules are kind of vague in this respect. Blizzard prohibits quote, engaging in any act that in Blizzard's sole discretion brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image. That's pretty much a blanket statement. That's as big of a blanket that you could possibly throw on anything. You really need people who are experienced with live broadcasting to see the signs as they happen, like and, and put all the puzzle pieces together, like the way Blitz Chung lives in Hong Kong, and he's, probably active on his social media about supporting the Hong Kong protests or, or whether he engages in political activism in that way so that people can be prepared for that sort of thing. Otherwise, everyone is blindsided and you end up with these crazy knee jerk reactions like we just saw.
1: Exactly. And touching on what you were saying, you know, Blitz Chung being from Hong Kong, you know, I think it's kind of worth noting what's happening in Hong Kong right now. So there, you know, the protests that are ongoing, There was originally a proposed law that was going to allow suspected criminals to be extradited to China's mainland for trial. And even though that law has since been suspended, there have still been protests going on in Hong Kong for the country to receive greater autonomy and democracy. And so, you know, with Blitzchung being from Hong Kong, it's understandable as to why he would want to support something like that, as to why he'd want to stand with his people and be a part of this. And you know, perhaps that perhaps it wasn't the best time to be, you know, putting that out into the space. But at the same time, Blitzchung may have seen this as his opportunity, kind of give his stance and try to rally some more support for this cause. And, you know, if he has the platform to do that, and that moment where, you know, it's something like the Grand Masters tournament, where Anyone who follows Hearthstone is inevitably going to be watching it and waiting to see what happens. You know, he took he saw that opportunity and he took it. And unfortunately, again, it's, it is understandable as to why Blizzard had to punish him for that to a certain degree. But I do agree that the way that they went about it, it was, as you said, a very knee-jerk reaction. They just immediately jumped on it and... Perhaps didn't give enough thought to the aftermath, the repercussions, and how the rest of the community was going to react to them basically muzzling him for voicing his opinion and having freedom of speech.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, the action was so punitive that it did the exact opposite of what Activision Blizzard wanted, which was to keep politics out of their esports competitions. And it pulled them directly into this conflict. I mean, people started people around the world started a boycott Blizzard movements, like separate boycott Blizzard mov- movements and this is impacting them at the worst possible time. At the at the <laughs> time that this happened, this should have been the one of the best weeks ever for Activision Blizzard. They had just launched Call of Duty Mobile which broke records for for downloads and revenues for its first week. And that all got overshadowed by this. It all got forgotten under this controversy. People like Mark Kern who helped develop World of Warcraft canceling his subscription out of protest. And he and he's posting that onto social media. You have popular broadcasters for the Hearthstone Grandmasters quitting out of protest and and putting that on social media and you have college students you know the bread and butter of the future of esports saying boycott Blizzard and when you know Overwatch has been one of the the darling babies of the uh, of the college scene for for quite some time and this is this is all in jeopardy now because of this Move that Activision Blizzard did without thinking it through.
1: It's tough because they didn't really have any good options here in terms of like what they could do to appease the community, but also maintain that their their business component of things and their business relationships with other countries such as China would remain intact. Because supposedly it's estimated that China accounts for 10% of Activision Blizzard's revenue. So for something like this, you know, their hands are a little bit tied.
0: A lot of people had this strong brand perception of what Blizzard is supposed to be. Very inclusive, very supportive of people being free, being able to express themselves. All that just kind of went out the window from, from this one move that they should have taken a lot more thought and consideration before executing. And it was amazing to see how quickly this sort of thing spiraled out of control. It's really against Blizzard's brand, and that's why it's impacting games besides Hearthstone. And that's why people are trying to cancel their Blizzard subscriptions. And that leads to further down the rabbit hole because now Blizzard, Activision Blizzard needs to react to that. And they locked people out of trying to cancel their accounts. And that just incenses people even more.
1: Yeah, and that's crazy to me that they actually disabled the ability for people to close their accounts on certain gaming platforms. Like, I just, I understand that yes, companies technically have the right to do that and technically have the ability under legalities and whatever. But at the same time, like, this is the f- most. Uh, this is more know, throwing
0: more gasoline on the trash fire. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and supposedly, you know, while Hearthstone remains one of the top-grossing mobile games on the market, the revenues have started to decline over the last 3 months and Wall Street analysts are actually predicting that this new boycott could hurt the game's revenue by anywhere from 18 to 23%, which as one of Activision Blizzard's, you know, breadwinners in terms of its online gaming uh, outlets, this is going to be a big dent and I am very very curious to see how Activision Blizzard finds a way to come back from this. If they can, I mean I'm sure they'll find a way, but how and when that yeah. is the question that I'm waiting on.
0: I'm also interested in seeing how long fans will hold a grudge for other games and how and how much traction these protesters will gain because of this event because as a response to uh, blitzchung being banned hong kong protesters s- jumped games they they took mei from overwatch a character from overwatch and made her the, the mascot for the hong kong revolution and it, this was <laughs> this is in an effort to get overwatch banned in china they they just took a character who happened to be chinese from overwatch a completely different game from hearthstone and made her the 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 symbol of the revolution in hopes that it will wreck this game's chances in China and while it's in the middle of it trying to build an esports league a global esports league no less and this is just like a couple weeks or maybe a month after it's signed its first Shanghai franchise this is this is really really in super incredibly bad, like there's no way to overstate how bad the timing is, and it doesn't matter if the one of the Blizzard executives like jumps online and and hosts an interview saying like China's government had absolutely nothing to do with our decision to ban the player. No one's going to believe that. <laughs> it, it it's just not something that's going to compute, especially since it was so punitive. It happened so quickly. And Blizzard's own messaging on Weibo said something to the likes of no one will insult our country, meaning China. So, yeah, get get a hold on your own communication messaging, Activision Blizzard.
1: Yeah, it's it's a hot mess across the board. There's no way of denying that. <laughs> But to that end, I think we should talk a little bit about how Activision Blizzard's competitors have responded to this controversy and what this all could really mean for, you know, Activision's upcoming events and releases. So as we already touched on, you know, BlizzCon is coming up. Um, there's there's a lot of things in the pipeline right now for Activision that are on their way. Oh, man. And yeah, it, the, the, as you said, the timing could not be worse at all, but you know, once the games actually drop, they are a few weeks off now. We will see, I guess, how the community responds to that and if they're willing to give Activision Blizzard another chance. In my opinion, I think that it's somewhat dependent on how strongly you feel towards the Hong Kong situation, towards how strongly you feel about freedom of speech and things like that, and whether Blitzchung was in the right. Um, but in saying that, you know, we've also seen a little bit of. Uh, conversation from Activision's competitors. Fortnite creator Epic Games responded saying that it's not going to ban players for political speech, which seems interesting that they would kind of take that and go, okay, no, don't worry. Like, Come to Fortnite. We've got you. Don't worry. You can say anything you want. We'll ban you for other stuff, but not political. And meanwhile, Chinese company Tencent has a 40% minority stake in Epic games, and ironically enough as well, a 5% stake in Activision. So, you know, there's there's a bigger pot there in terms of Tencent's involvement with Epic, but at the same time, Epic seems to have a little bit more, I don't want to use the word backbone, but just a little bit more, I guess, confidence in uh, allowing their players to have that freedom. But on the other side of that, we've got Riot Games, you know, behind League of Legends, who has since instructed its casters to not discuss politics on the air, which came after the Blitzchung incident. So we're seeing a little bit of, I guess, different messages from different parts of the scene. And I find it really interesting just to kind of see which companies and which games are trying to give certain levels of, I guess, liberation to their players and allowing the players to have that freedom of speech. And I want to know if there's going to be any kind of, not to say payoff, but, you know, with Fortnite, will, will it be kind of applauded for, you know, giving players that freedom? Or in the case of Riot, will Riot find itself running into any similar problems? Like, is there any way That, you know, perhaps a League of Legends player will end up in a very similar situation to Blitzchung. And if so, how is Riot Games going to handle that?
0: It's funny that Epic Games is kind of saying we're going to allow political speech at our competitions, or at least they won't take punitive action for political speech. And Riot Games is going in the exact opposite direction. Um, Riot Games is 100% owned by Tencent by the way, and, and it's hard to find a gaming company that isn't touched by Tencent in some way. Um, but it's uh it's very interesting that there these two approaches exist. Personally, I don't think that political speech should be included in the competition itself. I think when you're talking about competitions it should be all about the plays. It should be about the energy behind watching competitors do what they do best in in these esports, and just having protesters there will will kind of just screw up the experience. It, it, it nobody nobody really wins in the situation if you disrupt the actual competition. The the protesters are may likely gain as much uh, antipathy or people who, who are dislike them for interrupting their entertainment as they are likely to get supporters. It's not it's it's not really a, a useful situation. But I think that if you're going to interview the players and you're going to ask them questions like, hey, what what are you all about? And that person happens to be political then you've kind of opened the door to that and so i th- i think that there should be some limits to what can be said and done at, at competitions but there should be some leeway too what do you think
1: see i i agree with you to a certain degree but you know i mean in the case of you know interviewing blitzchung for example and the fact that he won the competition and they were interviewing him Obviously, not everyone from Hong Kong is going to speak out about this. Not everyone from Hong Kong is going to necessarily feel that certain way towards the protest. But in the same respect, I don't know if maybe they should have had the foresight to think, okay, this player is from Hong Kong and we know that there's a lot of turmoil happening in Hong Kong right now with a lot of, you know, opinions going around and things like that. Maybe, Maybe we should just kind of test the waters to see and just totally make sure that we're playing it safe with this because you know, it's, it's not surprising that he would want to use that platform for something like this. And, you know, to, to your point earlier about, um, you know, protesters at these games and at these tournaments, you know, yes, I do agree that these tournaments should be about the game. It's about the competition. It's about the fans. It's about all of the good that comes with esports. but in the same respect, any kind of peaceful protest, you know, if, if you don't, actually interrupt something, then you're not really going to be protesting much. Like anytime that you've seen a major protest towards any kind of cause, political or otherwise, you know, if the people are just standing there on the sidewalk and being very civil and minding their own business, nothing is going to get done. Nothing is going to change. The entire point of a protest is to disrupt whichever, you know, space or or community or whichever area that they're trying to get some attention from. So if they're just standing there politely and just not bothering anybody and letting people go about their day, nothing is going to change. The point is to, you know, really just be in the way and say like this is our cause, this is what we're fighting for and we're not going away. We're not going to just carry on until you do something about it. You know, in Toronto we've had similar things with uh, you know, like Black Lives Matter protests where they shut down Uh, Bloor-Young, which is one of the most, the busiest intersections in the entire city across the board. And they protested and they sat there and it was completely peaceful. You know, there was no violence, there was no, I'm not sure if it was technically law-breaking, I'm assuming maybe it was, but it wasn't violent. It was a peaceful protest that disrupted the city and got people's attention. And that's the way that people have to protest because otherwise they're not gonna be noticed. And so, you know, I, I do agree that it would be great If we could just let things be and people could just enjoy esports and just have these tournaments and these competitions. But now, especially with the ball kind of rolling on the Blitzchung scenario and how Activision responded, I think BlitzCon definitely could see some very real protests. And frankly, in my opinion, I think it's warranted. You know, if people want to protest against Activision for, you know reacting this way to the situation then they as you kind of said earlier they have just been fueling this fire with their actions and if people choose to protest against it we can't really be surprised at this point
0: yeah but th- let me put th- let me put this to you once you open the door to letting people protest you open the door for everyone to protest whatever issue that they want uh, i mean free speech isn't just free speech for the people that you agree with. It's so that means if Activision Blizzard allowed pro-Hong Kong protesters to speak their minds and and put out their message at their events, they should also let pro-China protesters put out their messaging too. And at the same thing goes for other hot button issues like racism or white supremacy or you know sexism all these issues both sides of the story if you're going to let one in you have to let them all in and that's not what i personally would want to see at an esports competition where the goal is to bring people together with these events and kind of and kind of unify them in a way if you let these hot button issues in You're letting division come in.
1: And I I do agree that, you know, there are two sides to every coin with that, you know, regardless of which side you're protesting for. You know, if we allow one, we have to allow the other. But at the same time, I don't think at any point these companies or these organizers are going to allow the protesters like they're going to have security on hand. They're going to be making sure that nothing gets violent, that, you know, they're not harassing people as they walk in like they'll likely be you know out there with the giant poster boards like maybe marching or chanting or whatever but ultimately so long as they're not harassing people so long as they're not physically harming people there isn't a whole lot that can be done about it but it's not like it's going to be inherently allowed like the you know protesters with these kinds of things typically will push to the full limit of legality in terms of like, are we trespassing? Are we harassing people? Are we doing XYZ where the police could be called and it could become like an actual legal problem. So long as they stay within those boundaries, then it's not even a matter of whether they're being allowed to do it. They're just doing it. And there's only so much that Activision or organizers or whatever can do to really stop them. And that's where that, that fine line comes in, you know, because frankly, you know, to your point. I've seen, like, I live in Toronto, and I have seen people protesting quite literally everything. You know, you see protesters at the gay pride parade. You see pro-lifers versus pro-choice people in in major parts of the city. And this will be on a Tuesday, just like in the middle of the afternoon, just because. But it's like, you know, they're out there with their poster boards, and they say whatever message they believe in. And they're not harassing people. They're not being violent. And so... There isn't a ton that can be done about it until it escalates to a point where the police can be called and can break things up. And from a legal standpoint, people are just going to do what they're going to do. It's not a matter of who's allowing them to do it.
0: I mean, the other side of this is that yelling something out in the middle of a competition may not necessarily be the worst thing that can possibly happen. Another thing that could possibly be devastating for for activision blizzard or uh, or blizzcon in general is that they don't show up or yeah the people don't or people just hang out in the lobby and don't go to any of these competitions and they don't they don't and there aren't and if there isn't enough of a crowd to to kind of kind of raise up spirits and and make the competitions exciting, then the broadcast itself just kind of falls flat. And then that could spell a greater downward spiral for the games like Hearthstone or Overwatch. It could be major problems down the road if it loses that sense of excitement around the games. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm sure Activision Blizzard is hoping that announcing new games like possibly diablo 4 or or even an overwatch 2 will generate enough goodwill to to counteract some of the some of the protests that have been going on but it's it's getting pretty bad i mean they just canceled their big premiere of overwatch on the nintendo switch at the nintendo world store in new york city Because of this event, because of the boycotts, they didn't want to risk possibly having another PR disaster that they have to recover from. They just just canceled it at the last minute.
1: Well, we we don't know for sure that it was because of the boycott. They didn't explicitly say that, but it is definitely safe to assume that it was because of all this drama going on. And yeah, and that's the thing. And that's this is some of the ripple effect that comes with this kind of thing where you know, if if anything like this happens, it's going to impact Activision and Blizzard's other brands. It's going to impact their other games, and you know, if if they do end up announcing Diablo Four, Overwatch Two, whatever the big news of BlizzCon is, I'm sure it'll end up reeling a few fans back in. Anyone who's maybe on the midpoint with this whole situation, but ultimately. They may have lost some people forever, and that is just something that they're going to have to deal with if that's the case. But it's it's Activision Blizzard. I'm sure that they will do just fine, and I'm sure that the revenues will still continue to come in.
0: Immensely popular free-to-play battle royale game Fortnite shocked over 6 million viewers who tuned in to watch the Season 10 finale on Twitch and YouTube. As the competitions came to a close, developer Epic Games sucked the entire game and its characters into a virtual black hole and then completely shut down the game. It was a complete blackout. This included the main menu, the entire game interface, and it pretty much punctuated the finale event, which was called the end. Players who tried to log into Fortnite afterward faced a blank screen with a little black hole at its center. And this went on for about a day and a half. The shutdown is part of a incredible marketing stunt aimed at building up hype for the game's next chapter. This move sparked intense speculation about what was to come during the blackout, but not everyone was left in the dark. Popular Fortnite streamer Tyler Ninja Blevins posted the word tacos on his Twitter account. Suggesting that the blackout would end on Taco Tuesday. Right on cue, players were greeted with a brand new trailer for Fortnite Chapter 2 on Tuesday morning. And the game is up and running again. So what did you think? What did you do during the Fortnite blackout? Did you, did you go into, like, uh, withdrawal?
1: Oh, yeah, I went into a very, very deep depression. Um, no, I probably just slept because I don't actually play Fortnite. <laughs> but I'm sure that off in the distance, you know, I thought maybe I heard a coyote or a wolf or some something howling to the moon. But in reality, it was probably just the collective screams of 12-year-old boys everywhere losing their absolute minds. I, I'm impressed with them for doing this, though. I, I think that it's a very interesting way to kind of gauge... Their, their viewership and their audience and to see like how people are gonna react at the concept of Fortnite just not existing anymore. And obviously that wasn't the case, but you know, it, it really drew players in and it really just had people waiting on the edge of their seat to find out what's going on, what's gonna happen next and when are we gonna find out about it.
0: This is a super bold move for Fortnite. The Fortnite live stream on the night that they pulled the plug had about 20,000 viewers on Twitter. 60,000 viewers on Periscope and 65,000 viewers on Twitch. Those are just the official channels. It's estimated that there were over 300,000 total viewers across all of Twitch alone watching as Epic pretty much pulled the plug. This is obviously a case of big risk, big reward. Mainstream media outlets like CNN, USA Today, Reuters, New York Times, and ESPN. All of them all wrote about the blackout. This wasn't limited to just the gaming community. Everyone was interested in what Fortnite did by pulling the plug. And that stunt probably generate huge numbers for the next chapter.
1: I find it interesting that they kind of went for, they almost decided to play hard to get with it. They're like, okay, you're comfortable, you're happy with this game, with this relationship, however you want to put it and now we're going to ghost. Bye. And it's just interesting to see that the way that the fans responded and immediately went, no, 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 no. I want my Fortnite back. Like, where is my Fortnite? Like, what do you mean I can't play after school? Like, I am devastated. Um, I think they did a really fantastic job with the marketing for this. And I think, as well, a day and a half blackout is just the right amount of time. You know, if it had only been for a few hours, then people might have chalked it up to, like, oh, my internet provider is being shoddy. Or um, anything like that. But, you know, day and a half, it's like, this is the game. This is this is something serious that's actually happening. But it's a long enough period of time that people remember it. And people panicked about it. I just think back to, like, any time there's been, like, an Instagram blackout. And I think there was one a few months ago where it was, I think, a blackout for maybe 10 to 12 hours. And people, especially influencers, were losing their absolute minds. Because people thought that their source of revenue was just shot. Or, or whatever the case and so, yeah, I think this is the right amount of time, and I think they played their cards very well with this. Yeah,
0: and I love how how deep they went into it. They didn't just, like, put up a, oh, our servers are broken message or everything. They they shut all of it down. There was no yeah. message saying, like, oh, we're, we're go- we'll be back in a little while. It's just this little black hole in the middle of your screen. You couldn't, you couldn't log in to check out your characters or, or fix up your, your inventory or anything. Nothing. It was just...
1: It was kind of cinematic in a way. <laughs>
0: the people will be talking about it for the next week. What were you doing during the Fortnite blackout?
1: <laughs> exactly. Like it's a moment to remember in gaming history.
0: <laughs> and it, it came at a very good time because media company Stream Elements released a report stating that Fortnite's total viewing hours on Twitch declined over 20% over the past three months. Now, that's not to say that Fortnite isn't still king of the hill because it is by huge numbers, uh, but it, it, any decline isn't an acceptable decline, I guess. But uh, this this little stunt and all the media attention that it got, it should be plenty to, to boost Fortnite's viewing numbers for the short term, at least, for the for the foreseeable future, until people get over it and, and get back to whatever they were doing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting that these two things kind of coincided because the number of streamers that were broadcasting Fortnite before the blackout occurred had also shrunk by fifty percent, which is a big deal. If you lose half your streamers, that's what's that? What does that mean for the future of your game? But hopefully, this this stunt will will kind of uh will kind of lift its numbers up again, at least for a little while. Meanwhile, Le- you know League of Legends is still sitting at, at second place. So
1: I think it's also worth noting, though, that over the last few months, you know, we have seen people going back to school, and there are other reports that we've kind of touched on in previous podcasts that kind of noted that the back to school time of year is a little bit problematic in terms of streamer or like viewership going down and engagement going down a little bit because kids are busy. They're going back to classes. They don't have the full summer as they once did to spend all their time watching streams or streaming, depending on what side of the fence you're on. Regardless of the streamers falling, I I think that perhaps some of that could be the fact that, you know, the streamers who, you know, Fortnite is still a fairly new game, all things considered. And I think the streamers who found their popularity really, really sat with it and were like, okay, they built up their audience and they went with it. And those who never really made it that far may have fallen to the wayside. And that could maybe explain why the streamers have just kind of dropped off because, you know, if you didn't get it, if you didn't become popular, while the game itself was building up traction, then it, it might just not be worth continuing on, or at least for some people. Um, but, you know, League of Legends being behind it, I'm not super surprised on that either. It's still a massive game and has been around for a while now, but, you know, it, it still has just such a following across the globe that it's not surprising that the two are kind of, I, want, I don't want to say neck and neck, but still very much top competitors. Yeah.
0: And it looks like the new features for Chapter 2 is, is just what, everyone needed because you have to explore the island to get a sense of what the map is all about. It's not all laid out for you from the very start. So you have that sense of discovery, you have that sense of novelty. And that could be the exact things to get streamers back into the game and the viewers watching them. Also, there's gonna be activities, <laughs> I guess, because the go on on, on this whole <laughs> this brand new island map, there's gonna be fishing And you get pick up loot by fishing. And I don't know how anyone can make time for fishing while people (laughs) are out to kill you. But I would love to see that. (laughs) And there's boats and there's swimming. It's like a whole summer vacation in the middle of a murder arena. (laughs) It's
1: going to be great. (laughs) It's like if the Hunger Games had a summer camp. It's great. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs)
1: No, I mean that sounds fun and there's no better way to pull, you know, former players, former streamers, whatever back into a game than revamping it and re-releasing it with whole new features and stuff to do.
0: Yeah. And there are gameplay there are gameplay features that will challenge veteran players. So let's see how Ninja reacts to that. Yeah. How many headshots right? can you get? How many fish can you catch, Ninja? I wanna know. <laughs>
1: I want to see it.
0: (laughs) I want to see your fishing skills. I I know your headshot (laughs) skills. I want to see your fishing skills now.
1: Amazing. (laughs) That's all the time we have for this week's edition of the Gaming Street Podcast. Our show is a production of Gaming Street and Enthusiast Gaming. It was written by Stephen Wong and myself, Olivia Da Silva, and edited by Conrad Zimmerman. The music is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod.
0: For more news and analysis of the games industry, visit GamingStreet.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. For Gaming Street, I'm Stephen Wong, and we'll talk to you next time.